BGSM podcast. I'm Stefan Griffin, a medical student at the University of Birmingham and a member of the BGSM editorial team. Today I'm delighted to be joined by two giants of the football and sports medicine world, Dr. Gary O'Driscoll and Mr. Colin Lillian. Gary is currently medical director at Arsenal Football Club, who's worked across a wide range of sports, and Colin is the head of medical services here and first team physiotherapist at Arsenal, where he's worked for now over 20 years. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you. How are you doing? So with the upcoming Arsenal uh, Sports Medicine Conference in late March focusing on screening, um, we thought it'd be good to talk about it, about it in a more practical sense. And a great way to do that, especially sort of this time of year that's just been, is to talk about the issue of player medicals. Um, so let's just say we have a hypothetical player with a deal that's been arranged by both clubs and you're asked to oversee that medical. Um, so do you want to begin by just talking us through the process? Is there a, a red phone that sort of goes off in the department? Well, not exactly a red phone, no, but a senior member of staff, be that the head of player contracts, um, sometimes the CEO, sometimes the manager, will alert us to um, an incoming player. Um, we hope that we get some sort of notice around that, which is quite important to us. The more notice we get, the better, so we can make the arrangements. But it can sometimes be a day, it can sometimes be half a day, um, depending on how sensitive, how secretive than the signing is going to be generally related around the popularity and the size of the player so the more notice we can get the better so we can begin our background checks um, it's always nice to know a fair bit about what is going to be coming through the door to see you we can help with arrangements around that medical there sometimes can be language barriers you'd be relying on the help of a translator or sometimes the player's agent but you'd like someone from your side helping with the language um, our background checks would need to be fairly extensive as well. We would be using the internet, not always reliable, but there are some decent sites out there around players' history, playing history, not always injury history, but we treat it with a bit of care. Uh, we can look at previous contacts we have had at other clubs that may have worked with that player previously, they may know that player well. Um, it happens vice versa, of course, when we're going to be selling a player. People will contact us to know a bit more about that player. Once we are told they're coming, once the green light comes on, we can begin the preparations, scan slots, cardiac checks, transport, etc. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Okay. And, and who, who's involved in that process? So once, once you're notified that you're going to be doing that, who's involved in, sort of in the process of the medical? Well, this is very much dependent upon the importance and financial um, size of the player who is involved. Um, Depending upon that, there will obviously be an element of secrecy, so the club has a protocol and a principle of trying to keep as few people involved as possible. So the usual, um, are obviously myself and Colin, the chief executive, the head of contracts and the manager. Um, as well as this, and behind the scenes, there are an awful lot of other people involved who will also... Um, be dealing with the person named A another, but to keep the secrecy involved all the way through it. But there are people at the MRI scanners, people at cardiac screening, respiratory screening. Um, we also have people involved from logistics, transporting them around, as well as the players, agent, representative, and on a fairly regular basis, translator as well. So there are several people involved at every step of the um, process, but 
with regard to decision making and those people who are involved in the ultimate uh, yes or no with regard to the signing, we keep it as small as possible. And with the that a player coming through the door. Do you sort of st is there a pro forma you work through, or is it just dependent on you know the, the, the on the research you've been able to carry out on sort of, or is it sort of an intuition that what what, what do you start with? Well, the easy answer is yes. Uh, there is a protocol we would follow, but that is dependent on findings either in our research or findings actually at the medical itself. Because that may then vary what we focus on, what we dig a bit deeper on. Um, our basic protocol is MRI, lumbar spine, hips, knees, ankles, uh, full family history, full questionnaire with Gary, um, bloods, cardiac screening, uh, MSK assessment which will probably come more to later, respiratory function testing has been done more recently with us and we found that can be a benefit as well and if anything is highlighted then sometimes this needs further investigation or sometimes an opinion. If we find something at the medical that needs to be dug a bit deeper, needs a further opinion, be it a knee or an ankle, then sometimes these medicals can go into a second day, but that's something we have to accept if we are going to get the right answer. Um, so I guess in terms of the systems covered, musculoskeletal will be, I, I imagine, one of the, one of the primary ones. What other things would you, and maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about how you sort of um, devolve some of the roles that you um, both take during the medicals? So before we go into detail of as many systems that we we feel are appropriate. I think it's just important to mention that consent is a very, very significant issue. Um, Medico-legally, it is critical that the player, um, his representatives, his agents, his family are all aware of exactly what we are doing and they're also aware that we have the right, or they give us the right, to discuss our findings with a limited number of people, again probably just the manager and the chief executive and the head of contracts, but to make sure that the player and his representatives are all fully aware of the fact that we will need to discuss the majority of the details. Occasionally there are certain things that players want us to keep quiet and of course we must respect the um, patient's confidentiality, but for the majority of the time we must get consent so that we can discuss these issues with the appropriate people. With regards to the systems that we cover, um, obviously cardiac is a, is a crucial thing. Any cardiac history, any family problems in the past, um, and that will be allied to a, a cardiac echo and ECG. We'll go through an abdominal history, respiratory function, allied, allied with the respiratory history as well. And more recently, a very important part of our screening is a assessment of any concussive episodes, any minor traumatic head injuries um, and actually although it's not part of our um, screening test we would always do baseline neuropsychometric testing for all of our new players as well. We will take a good family history, see if there are any significant issues there and it's also important that we take notice of where the player is from. Infectious diseases is an important part of the medical history um, if a player is based abroad, has lived abroad, has family um, abroad, then there are obviously increased um, risks and potentials of infectious diseases such as uh, hepatitis, um, other diseases such as sickle cell, and these will be added to screening um, on the blood tests, but also be asked about in the history. We also take 
um, a interest at this stage in the players' health beliefs and expectations, especially for the foreign players to try and get a basic understanding of what they expect from the medical team when they arrive. As well as those, we will try and get the results um, of our scans that have been done um, before they come for the medical. Specifically, um, as Colin said, we'll do all the major joints um, and what we are looking for there is evidence of any significant ligamentous damage, previous surgery, we're looking for any meniscal lesions, chondral defects, any evidence of bony edema, any acute effusions, and then we will link these specifically with what we would find on the bed. And if there is anything that we can't explain, anything that is, the player is unable to explain, or something that we feel that could have a potential impact on a player's longevity, we would certainly, before going much further in the medical, think about getting a consultant opinion if there is a significant lesion that we can't explain. Over the years these have changed slightly um, and we have thought in the past of adding uh, ultrasound specifically for patella tendon and for Achilles tendon but we've found that there really is a lack of, um, of a correlation between radiological findings and function specifically on, on the ultrasound so we don't do that at the moment. And we've also considered moving to three Tesla um, scanning for our baseline screening, but actually we feel that on certain occasions this can give you too much detail that is inexplicable. And we've currently decided to stay with 1.5 Tesla and that makes things much more um, appropriate and comparable with all the screening that we've done in the past. The majority of examinations you've spoken about majority of it sort of happened on the bed in quite a static environment. Are there any times where you'd do you, do you do a lot of functional sort of testing, especially in a time pressured environment, or are you happy generally doing doing it sort of quite static? And well, the most important thing to stress here is that we're seeing a player on a bed who has likely been playing one or two games a week. So the main question that we need to answer, the goal of the medical really, is there any reason that we can find that means we cannot sign this player? That's the upshot. Um, so most of it is done on the bed. And we're going through, looking at all the joints, hopefully we've got the MRI scans back by now, but we're looking through range of movement in the joints, basic strength resistance tests. Um, is there a current injury? That can sometimes happen. There's been examples in the past where we've signed a player who is currently injured. Again, does that mean we can't sign them on a three, four year contract? That's a question that we have to answer at the time. We had one player with a lumbar spine injury and medical who was going to be out a number of weeks, we still took him. We've had players who have had significant orthopaedic history. We have still taken them. There's players who had partial ruptured Achilles in the months previous to us signing them. Does it mean we can't sign them? That's something that we have to answer at this medical. So we're looking for scars, surgical scars specifically, just to see if there has been any previous surgery, which is important to us. Hopefully it's come up in the questionnaire previously with Gary. Uh, any swellings on joints, obviously palpation is important around the joint lines, feeling for tendons, any other problems they have. Um, a brief neural assessment, although we're unlikely to find much wrong with that side of things. Other text, uh, tests that Gary's spoken about would be the, uh, the concussion testing. Players will have DEXA scans as well, but these are all part of a baseline really, rather than a new player medical, can we stop it? 
Um, obviously we all want the signing to happen, but our main goal is to see if there's any reason why it can't happen. It's all on the bed, um, all an assessment in the medical room. There are other things done such as counter movement jumps. Speed endurance tests may well come in with fitness coaches, but it's unlikely to happen that day. And again, things like that are unlikely to stop a signing. And it's also not always about, is there something here that can prevent the signing? We're also looking at things that we might find on baseline testing. That means there are areas we can improve. Is there something in this new player where we think, yeah, we can really improve that? Are they ready to go with Arsenal's first team? We could be signing a young 17-year-old who may not be ready for Arsenal's first team sessions yet. He may go into a lower level within the club. Um, this on-bed assessment if you like, can be an hour, hour and a half long at times, which is not too bad. People are very patient, but occasionally there have been times where we have signed four in the same day. So you can imagine the bedlam that causes in around the medical room where there's scan slots, there's cardiac screening, there's all these tests going on for four different players all coming from four different parts of the world. Yeah, that was a, that was a tricky day. Yes, I, I remember that day very well, actually. Um, and also what that highlights is that there's huge pressure on every on every signing for us to have to make a decision. So we have a collation of all this information and hopefully it is usually just with one player. But when you have four players all in one day, it's, um, it's a very difficult, busy and stressful day. But with each of those four players on, on any one given day or even on one, one player having a medical, we use the same principles, we use the same protocols to come to a decision. And we often read in the press that a, a player has passed or failed a medical. That's not how it works. We don't turn round to the chief executive, to the manager, to the head of contracts and say yes or no. With every player there is a balance of risk. Um, we would advise the senior management on the likelihood of a player having a longevity of a career, being able to fulfil the contract being offered, whether it's a year, three, four, five years. Um, and obviously we have to make a little bit of a consideration to the amount of money being spent because what we don't want is to invest a huge amount of money and then find out that a player isn't going to be able to contribute very much on the pitch. So we never turn around and say to the manager, and the chief executive and the head of contracts, yes or no. We give them a balance of risk based on all the tests and investigations that we have done, alongside a knowledge of the player's history, playing history in the past, and any information that we've been able to glean from perhaps our medical colleagues from previous clubs. With the conference topic of screening and um, another, the keynote speaker being Professor Roald Barr, um, I know he published a, an editorial last year screening is it is it worth it what what just in terms of your your feelings on the topic how would you, where do you stand on it in terms of the argument well i think here we're coming away really from new player medicals and moving into the area of screening monitoring and looking after your current squad um, i think when professor barr wrote the review the editorial uh, Everyone's reaction was, what on earth is he talking about? How on earth can he say that? Screening is great, screening is great. I think uh, most people would say he's probably right. I think it's fair to say 
predict injury is a strong statement. I think we don't know if our monitoring and screening tests are reliable, are they valid, are they sensitive to change. Um, even worse than that, we don't even know if our interventions are reliable and valid. So I think uh, essentially he's right. I think it's caused some lively debate. I think it's caused some controversy. Um, I think we'll hear more from him at the conference to see exactly what he thinks and he can elaborate a bit further on it. But it must be remembered really, we're not trying to predict injury. I don't think anyone's there yet. We're not good enough to do that yet. But what we are trying to do is to see if there's an association between some of our test markers and perhaps poor performance, the ultimate poor performance of course being injury. If we can see an association between some of our tests that we do on our current fit squad and we start to see that that does lead to poor performance, ultimately injury, then it's something we should continue to try to do. Um, tests would be mood questionnaires, the POMs, um, groin squeezes to see how they transfer and load across their pelvis, um, hamstring squeezes, counter movement jumps, we've discussed a few of these already. There's a couple of range of movement tests. We look at the, the amount of games they've played in the previous 10 days. All these things would help us monitor a player's current state. Can we then adapt the training? Can we tailor the training for that individual? I think any small adaptations we can make around different players makes a difference. Any individualization we can do. Because not all players have the same recovery profile. So if we can make changes and the management and the coaches are accepting of that, that's great. It's not always easy, it's not always possible because training is training at times. But there are certain days where we are allowed to tailor the training and I think that's made a big difference to us. Um, yeah. Well, just to, just to back up what Colin has said there, um, there is no doubt in my mind that this is something that is uh, a fluctuating scenario. Uh, it's not too long ago that we weren't doing any screening. and I, In fact, I remember the day very well when we decided to, to add screening into our daily routine. And it was when the manager came in and asked Colin directly, has a specific player recovered? And at the time we remembered sitting there and thinking, well, we're only giving an opinion. We haven't actually got any objective markers to give. So that's when we started the screening and the tests and the mechanism that we use now is completely different to the one that we used back then and will probably be completely different to one we'll be using in two or three years time. But what is absolutely without doubt in our opinion is that it's better than nothing. I think at first the players were frustrated and were annoyed with doing the testing but the majority now buy into it, understand why we do it. Um, and whilst we don't profess it to be a perfect system, far from it, we do believe that we're getting more information about the individual player and it is helping us to try and adapt a player's loading, training and to ensure that the player is available for the majority of time without putting silly risks that we can potentially avoid with regard to injury. I mean, the best thing there was that we needed some objectivity when I was asked that question that day, it was two days after a game, one day before another game, and I was asked, has a player recovered? My view, along with everyone else's views, would have been largely subjective. So to have these quick, simple battery of tests in place that gave us a little bit of objectivity, it wasn't the, uh, the silver bullet, but it did give us a bit of objectivity, 
and I think everyone bought into it and it again the players bought into it and I think it helped our decision making enormously. And, and from a screening point of view, Dave, in terms of if there are any sort of um, any people out there sort of working with football clubs, maybe sort of lower down the leagues, are there are there any sort of key exercises that you found over the past few years or key sort of tests that you would say provide really good bang for buck and that you feel that you maybe wouldn't be able to sort of do without? Well I think at whatever level you're at um, I think the most important thing is communication, talking to the players, speaking to the players, finding out a bit about them. We don't know what goes on outside of the training ground. So in the mornings, one of our most important tests, away from hamstring squeezes and counter-movement jumps on fancy false plates, I think the most important thing at times is to speak to them. And we have a wellness questionnaire which asks them how recovered they are, how ready they are to train and how well they slept. And I think um, you get a lot out of these questionnaires. So my first thing to talk, advise I would say about any level wherever you're working is speaking to the players if you manage to solidify that into a nice two three question survey so be it but I think the more you can talk to them and get an idea of how they feel I think that's important. I think that's a great way to finish part one of this podcast. Gary and Colin, thank you ever so much. Uh, listeners, I will put all the links uh, to any papers and other podcasts mentioned um, in the description of this one, and we hope you join us for part two again soon. Have a great day.